welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. It's good to have you here. Um, over the last month, we've been in this series of Fit for Life and a lot of our focus has been on soul fitness and we've looked at mental health a lot along the way because it's so integrated into spirit, soul and body life. Today, I, I do want to go spiritual on you, um, although we're going to look at some emotional things at the beginning of it. Um, and so we'll jump straight in. First, go to a scripture in the book of Psalms, Psalm 34 and verse 18. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. Are you ready to go in? Uh, this is what it reads. The Lord is close to all whose hearts are crushed by pain and he is always ready to restore the repentant one. Even when bad things happen to the good and godly ones, the Lord will save them and not let them be defeated by what they face. It's an incredible promise in the Psalms and I'm glad that in the early days of our discipleship, Carolyn and I, that we were taught about the power of the Psalms, how it was the prayer book of the Jewish people, how it was unfiltered, that if you read it without religious glasses on, you would see that they were just completely brutally honest with God all the way through. They were able to praise on the mountaintops. They found a way to praise in the valleys and you could just be open before God. And as we look at the whole area of mental health, fit for life, spirit, soul and body. I think it would be really negligent of me not to have a look at the spiritual side and actually lead us as a congregation to a place, uh, a congregation to a place where we might make a fresh commitment, take on a challenge in God to take our entire life, spirit, soul and body to a new level. You live your life on levels that you arrive at in stages. You're at a stage in life now because of the level you've chosen to live on and the things that you've chosen to conquer. Um, And so with that thought in mind, I just want to talk to you about these principles of peaks and valleys. And all of us have a journey so far. I don't like talking about myself, but I end up talking about some of my journeys because of what I'm called to do. So How many people are on a high in life right now? You're on one of the tops of your mountains in some area of life. Come on, let me see your hands nice and high. Come on, nice and high. Uh, Okay. Not too many. How many people are in a valley right now? How many people, no matter what I do, you're not going to lift your hand? (laughs) You're stuffing this up for all of us. (laughs) Let Let me see who's in the valley. Okay. You, you got to understand this, life is full of peaks and valleys. Life is full of ups and downs. But the key thing is, is to learn to make decisions, big decisions. You never make big decisions in the valley. You make big decisions on a peak. So let's just go through that a little bit and, and I'm going to use my first 30 years of my life, which is almost half of it. No, it's not, it's kind of... It's a fair bit of it anyway. And just look at peaks and valleys. Look at the first 30 years because it wasn't until I got to the 30-year point that I started to recognise that things I hadn't worked out in the past were now still affecting me in the here and now. So a brief overview and then we'll look at some principles. Is that okay? Before we jump into the spiritual stuff, here we go. It starts at age four 
with life on the farm and the peak is like happy, yay, jumping and shouting and the valley is not good at all. And so we go from four years old, farm life, just enjoying life, working with Dad and all the rest of the crew and and learning a whole bunch of stuff to six years old. My grandmother dies. I I called her little nana. She died of a heart attack. Uh, In those days, parents kind of tried to protect their children from all that stuff. So we never got to go to the viewing. I never got to go to the funeral because it was considered that you should just keep children away from that stuff. But then what happened from there was um, life picked up because at seven years old, after two or three years of promises, I, got, I finally got to shoot the gun, kill stuff, which was just amazing. I won't talk about all your friendly furry friends that I used to just take out, with, but it just brought my life back up to a peak. Eight years old. I witnessed my grandparents, my dad's parents, get killed in a car accident. In fact, I was with my dad trying to rescue them from the wreckage where they were killed basically instantly in that accident, down. Up to a peak, 11 years old, my football team wins the premiership and I get to witness it with my family and shout, yay. Go to age 16, mum dies of cancer. Can you see that? The valleys are actually getting deeper. The peaks aren't getting so high. If you do this exercise with yourself, you'll probably find a similar trend. From there, we go up to the pinnacle. Yay! Meet Carolyn, not just Carolyn, but uh, Christian and Simona, and we start our journey of life together. So I got a package of three for one, which is amazing. Um, Come to Christ at 19. See, I put it on the same level as God. That was dangerous, eh? <laughs> that was the creative department. They didn't get that part right. Okay, it was supposed to be right up there somewhere. Down to, um, and my creative partner, department were really going to pr- play with these next two or three spots because um, and my, Anthony was born. That, that was kind of pretty cool. And um, <laughs> they were supposed to put Bianca a bit lower on that next dot, but they, <laughs> they got it wrong. Uh, in the middle there, a best mate dies in a freak fight with his twin brother. That was pretty low. And then down to Christian, our son, at age 30, dying in a car accident. I was 30. He was 18. I started young, eh? Next slide. Some of you are like, what the heck was going on there? Here's the deal. We're all going to have peaks and valleys, but you never make big decisions in a valley. If you make a big decision in a valley, it'll lead you to another valley very quickly. You make big decisions on the mountain tops and it'll lead you to the next mountain top. Next slide. Next slide, yep. There it is. Expectation is something we all have but rarely take time to sit and think about. The higher you set your expectations, the more valleys you're going to live in. If you can manage your expectations better, rationally, realistically, next slide, you'll get to a place where you live 
on more mountaintops than you do in valleys. Some people think that's shallow. Actually, it's more about living rationally and realistically. I have, over the years, dropped my expectations on people significantly. And what do you know? (laughs) People tend to outperform my expectations. But the reality is, I, I guess life experience also brings you to the place where you're just more realistic about things. I still have great faith in God and I like to think mountain moving faith, but I plan for the worst while I'm believing for the best. Hello, somebody. It just helps your heart do life better, don't you think? Because we've been told to be thick-skinned and soft-hearted. Some people get that the wrong way around. They're soft-skinned and thick hearts. But the reality is we've got to cope with life in a way that we can just continue to move forward from peak to peak, not valley to valley. Does that help you? Uh, Psalm 31 is where I'm going now in the Passion Paraphrase as we kind of move into this. I trust you, Lord, to be my hiding place. Don't let me down. Don't let my enemies bring me to shame. Come and rescue me. For you, the, you are the only God who always does what is right. Rescue me quickly when I cry out to you. At the sound of my prayer, somebody say prayer. Amen. At the sound of my prayer, may your ears be turned to me. Be my strong shelter and hiding place on high. Pull me into victory and breakthrough. Today, I wanna talk to you about breaking free. I wanna talk to you about breaking through. I wanna talk to you about the fact that God actually wants to pull you into a place of victory. There are some things you need to do and most of those things are in prayer. Prayer is vital to everything that we do. Thank you, Tanya, for bringing that into what you brought this morning. And we've gotta be a people that are committed to a journey in prayer. I mean, I'm just at this point in time, realising that we as a people, as a congregation, as a nation, as, as, as a nation of believers, we are living in a time like never before. Never before has there been so many unbelieving believers. Jesus says, when I come back, will, will I really find faith? Will I really find those that regardless of their circumstances, regardless of what they're going through, they're gonna continue to put their eyes on me. They're gonna continue to trust in me. Or will I come back and find a people that have just become so contemporary in everything that they're doing that they're looking for convenience. They want their comfort zone. While everything's going great, we're going to praise the Lord. But when things are going to mud or deep weedies, we're going to be doing different things. We're going to be looking for something else to do because after all, I've tried it and God just didn't work. For you are my high fortress where where I am kept safe. You are to me a stronghold of salvation. When you deliver me, Out of this peril, it will bring glory to your name. As you guide me forth, I'll keep, I'll be kept safe from the hidden snares of the enemy, the secret traps that live, that lie before me. For you have become my rock of strength. Into your hands I now entrust my spirit. O Lord, the God of faithfulness, you have rescued me and redeemed me. I despise these deceptive illusions. All this pretense and nonsense. Isn't there a bit of that around? Pretense and nonsense. For I worship only you. In mercy, you have seen my troubles and you have cared for me. Even during the 
this crisis in my soul, I will be radiant with joy. Do you know how amazing that is to live out that little scripture just there? Even, even during the crisis in my soul, I will be radiant with joy, filled with praise for your love and mercy. You have kept me from being conquered by my enemy. You broke, you broke open the way to bring me to freedom into a beautiful, broad place. Prayer is a powerful weapon, people. Can I remind you this morning that prayer is a powerful weapon given to us and as individuals and as a church. It consolidates our faith. It clarifies our life perspective. It connects us with spiritual power and authority. Like never before, I'm trusting God that you'll get connected to the power of God, the authority of God that is already there in front of you. Already there inside of you. In the book of Acts chapter 11, if you went and had a read of that chapter, you'd discover that there was a revival taking place at a place called Antioch. And the revival was so impacting that they had to send church leaders down to help out. When they got down there, the Bible says, because of the ministry of those leaders that went down there, that many people came to faith. And during that time, a famine was prophesied, there was, was prophesied that a famine was coming. So the church got together and from this place of revival, they received a relief fund and they sent the money by the hands of Barnabas and Saul down to the believers in Judea so that they could have provision before the problem even presented itself, which is crazy. So things are going amazing for the church. Then you get over to chapter 12. And in Acts chapter 12, you find that from this place of revival and great blessing, things turn. We're going to pick it up in verse 1. Is it okay? I know it's a lot of Bible for one setting, but we're going to do it, right? I'm trusting God for the power of God to go to a whole new level in your life. Often people come to me and say, Pastor, can you pray for me? I say, no, I can't. They go, why? This is because you're a believer. And you're a child of God. If I pray for you where you should be praying for yourself... I'm going to put myself instead of Christ. And that's not good for me. It's very bad for me. It's even less helpful for you. I could pray with you, but I can't pray for you. But aren't we in a generation where everyone wants someone else to do for them what they should be doing for themselves? That was just me opening a door a little bit so I could walk straight through a wide open door that I want to go. Can I just talk to you a little bit straight? No filters. If you are a baby Christian, that's okay. There's someone here this morning that will put their arm around you. I'm not talking to baby, but I'm talking to some mature Christians today. Is that all right? Yeah. Pastor, can you pray for me? No, I can't. I could pray with you. That'd be helpful, wouldn't it? So we're going to look at some of those things today because on Friday night coming, um, and I probably need to take this little time out to be carnal. Um, congratulations to the English rugby team. <laughs> Let's get back on track. Stop being so carnal. Uh, on Friday night, we're hosting a prayer marathon. We're going to go to this portion of Scripture to look at the principle in Scripture in Acts chapter 12. And I will journey through that prayer marathon with those that are committed to it, whether there's five of us in the room or a hundred of us in the room. But I do believe God has set this time up as a key moment for us as a church. Here we go, Acts 12 verse 1. During this period, King Herod 
incited persecution against the church, causing great harm to the believers. It's interesting that we live in a day and age where when the church gets persecuted, a lot of Christians just join in the persecution and throw it at the church, not realising that the enemy is persecuting the church so that it can harm the believers, as it says there in that scripture. He even had the apostle Jacob, John's brother, beheaded. When Herod realised how much this pleased the Jewish leaders, he had Peter arrested and thrown into prison during the Feast of Passover. Sixteen soldiers were assigned to guard him until Herod could bring him to the public trial. Immediately after the Passover celebrations were over, the church went, oh, did I miss something there? Uh, 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 uh. Immediately after the Passover celebrations were over, the church went into a season of intense intercession, asking God to free him. The night before Herod planned to bring him to trial, he made sure that Peter was securely bound with two chains. Peter was sound asleep between two soldiers with additional guards stationed outside of his cell door when all at once an angel of the Lord appeared, filling his prison cell with a brilliant light. The the angel struck Peter on the side to awaking him and said, hurry up, let's go. Instantly the chains fell off his wrists. The angel told him, get dressed, put on your sandals, bring your cloak and follow me. If you read the rest of the story, you'll find that Peter gets all the way out and into the city before he realises that he's not having a dream. Like his deliverance is so powerful and supernatural that even he as the one being bound didn't realise that he was living a life reality until he got to the city gates that were locked and they flung open. And it all took place because the church decided to gather and pray until there was a breakthrough. And don't think that 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 church was so spiritual because they got together and they prayed. And even when the breakthrough came and the little girl came to them and said, hey, Peter's at the door, they all said, you're crazy. It's not Peter, it's his angel. And he was still knocking on the door. So sometimes we think that we've got to have this huge amount of faith and spirituality to do something amazing for God but he gathered the church together. They stayed there in the house and prayed. And even when the breakthrough came, they didn't realise how effective their praying was until Peter walked through the door. And I believe this right now, that we are living in a time where if we will do that intense thing that God has called us to do, we will see the supernatural breakthrough of God and He'll make it happen. We cannot deny today that the enemy does wanna take people out. We cannot deny that the enemy has a plan. He does have a plan. He does have a strategy to try and stop the blessing, the favour of God. And so we, we have gone to this place where we've said, you know what, we're going to pray and break through on behalf of others. I'm going to pray and seek God for my own breakthrough, but I'm going to be prepared to pray for people in our church, for key people that have challenges going on, challenges in the area of sickness, chronic physical and mental illnesses, challenges in the area of finances, the financial pressure that we see right now where businesses are on the verge of collapse. Many are living from week to week. Most are experiencing some element of financial pressure. The challenge of habitual bondage. You remember how I said I was gonna remove the filter? Like some of us are living in a place of habitual bondage. Some of them are just bad habits that we need to get rid of. Some of them are habitual sins. 
just this cycle of just this habit of sin that we just keep going back to when we can't seem to break out of. Some of them are just negative life cycles. I believe that when we set ourselves to pray like this, that God moves in on our behalf and brings the victory that we require. You've got to understand that there are three entrance points for the enemy. The devil cannot get in without an entrance point. And he has three entrance points to the users. Number one, he will use the entry point of apathy. Apathy, spiritual apathy. You simply don't rise up in the authority of God. And that's why when someone comes to pastor, will you pray for me? I'm going, no, because I'm just going to be cuddling that apathy thing. I'll pray with you. I can stand in agreement with you. But why don't you pray? Why don't you just stand up in the authority that you've been given? You've been given a name that's above every other name, that at that name... Hello, somebody? You've been given the name, not just preachers, not just pastors, not just spiritual leaders. You've been given a name that is above every other name. At at the sound of that name, demons flee. So let's gather together. And why don't you stand and resist the devil and see him flee from you? The Bible says, submit to God. That's probably where the problem is. We are in a place of apathy because we haven't submitted to God. But if we'll submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. Come on, I wanna wake you up out of apathy if you're in that place and say, you know what, it's up to me. It's up to me to stand and say, I can do these things that God has called me to do. One entrance point is apathy. Another entrance point that He uses, if you'll allow Him, is ignorance. And I'm sorry, friend, ignorance is not bliss. It can kill you. If you are ignorant of the fact that 240 volts of power live in your hand can kill you, it's not bliss. And we cannot afford to be ignorant. We've got to seek God. Some of you need to commit to this prayer marathon just so that you can get rid of some ignorance and seek God. Seek God for that one thing that you don't know. The Bible says, my people perish through lack of knowledge. You know what? You may not be able to pray for an entire watch of three hours. You may not be able to pray for the nine hours. You might be able to come to to, to Commit to be there for an hour. And if all you do when you come for that hour is read your Bible for an hour because you're not so confident in prayer, I guarantee you, God will use that hour that you commit to just to read the Scriptures to yourself, remove ignorance from your life and give you a breakthrough. I guarantee it. He will use apathy. He will use ignorance as an entrance point. He'll also use an open door, an open door of sin. This is the most popular part in the message. Because today we think sin sin is simply doing the wrong thing. And the majority of sin that's going on is doing the wrong thing. But can I talk to those of you who are mature, those of you who know better, to him to know who do, to do a thing and does not do it, to him that is sin. It's not just the thing you do, it's the thing you don't do that you know you're supposed to do. It's the sin of commission, yeah, you did it. But it's also the sin of omission. I asked you to do that thing for me and you did not do it. I do believe that a major part of what God wants to do during this prayer marathon is work on our hearts to shut entrance places for the enemy, to shut out ignorance, to shut out apathy, to shut out any open doors and move us into a fresh place. Apathy, we deal with that by simply rising up in what God has put on the inside of us. Ignorance, we seek God. The open door, we repent. We just turn to God. 
and allow Him to do the work. So when are we doing that? That's the why for me. The why is we, we have something to fight for. We can make a difference. We can join together. One can put a thousand flight to 10,000. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. What could we do if we could join with 30, 40 or 50 people here on Friday night and just begin to see God with all of our hearts, begin to cry out on behalf of the needy? What kind of difference could we make? So it's Friday night, people, 9 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. the next morning. Uh, Find a way to make it happen for your family. Dads, come on, stand up. Come join us. I've removed all the excuses. It's nine o'clock on a Friday night. Nine o'clock on a Friday night. And what are you going to be doing? What are you going to be doing? Well, I would normally be sleeping. Go without some sleep. Come join us. Come join us for an hour. Come join us for three. Come join us for nine. Take on the challenge. Get together and just come and say, you know what? I'm just going to go down there and spend my time to lift up the needs of my family, my marriage, my financial world, my business before the Lord. Heck, heck, why not come along and just say, you know what? I'm not going to go down there for me. I'm going to go down there and pray for my church. I'm going to go and pray for the work of God. I'm going to pray for the young people. I'm going to pray for marriages. I'm going to pray for men. God knows men need prayer. Not quite as much as the women do, but anyway. <laughs> like seriously, we, we, no, forgive me. Father, forgive me before they stone me before I leave. <laughs> Pastor, you don't understand. Married, kids, long week, work, school. Oh, you could probably do a spousal relay. Like I guarantee mums would say, if you came home, hubby's, and you said, you know what, honey, if you want to go down there and pray, I'll look after the kids. She'll go, yay, time without kids, I'm going. And then she comes home and you tag and you go down. Just, just do something. I'm just trying to remove excuses. I'm just trying to give you the, the possibility of thinking that I think God wants to do something significant and I'm not going to say the politically correct stuff that it's okay, we'll just stay here and pray and God will bless you. And No, I, I believe God wants to get something on your house, something on your family, something on your marriage so that He can be glorified, so that He can be lifted up. It's Friday night, 9pm we start finishing at 6am. Some of us are going to be here all night. Some of us for an hour, some of us for three, some of us for whatever we can commit to. Bring your pillow if you need to. Bring your blankie. I don't care. Let's just get here. I just think if you're going to be in it, if you're going to be in it, if you, if you just get in that atmosphere, I, I guarantee you if you commit to an intense time of prayer, a prayer marathon, it'll change your spiritual life. It'll change the way. You, you'll just attune your ear to the voice of the Lord. I believe what Jesus said is true. My sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. The voice of a stranger, they will not. say, like, Lord, how on earth? And I'm going to pray for like three hours. I'll tell you how. Together. One of my um, one of the great guys that's a member of this church, Michael Hooker. He's a he's a long distance runner, and I think he's mad in many ways. Uh, if you're listening by podcast, Hooksy, hi. Uh, but he he does like 160 kilometer runs, and he was telling me that last week he's, he's going back to do another one in two, in two weeks' time. He was leading the race the last time he did it, but at around about 150 kilometers in, <laughs> he got lost. Not once, five times. 
And at that part of the race, he's got his, his paces, I think he calls them, other guys that run with him to keep him at the right pace. Gets lost five times. He's leading the race. And on the fifth round, he's only got like four Ks to go, but he's done. And his pacer says to him, come on, we can go. He says, no, I'm done, call the car. He says, no, 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 I'm done, call the car. Get him to come pick me up. And there he is winning the race and he decides, I'm done. He's just spent and he bails. But he's going back again to do it this time. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, how's that for someone taking on a challenge? He's going to go and have a... 160 metres is a long way for me. <laughs> 160 kilometres. It's crazy. But here's my point. The marathon would not be completed without a pacekeeper, without a running buddy. The same thing happens in prayer. You know, maybe right now your discipline... and. Maybe a prayer marathon for you right now is an hour and that's okay because you're on your journey. I guarantee if you come along with others praying, that hour will be easier to endure than doing it alone. Maybe your marathon is a a prayer watch, what we would call a traditional Jewish prayer watch of three hours. I guarantee you doing it together with others, it'll be easier. I don't know. Linda, I think this lady sitting here was one of the first ones to introduce us to all night prayers or we, we started them together back then a few decades ago, uh, two and a bit decades ago. And I thought, oh my gosh, these people must be crazy. How on earth are we going to pray from 9pm to 6am? But you know what? Within a few months of just hitting it, it became your discipline. And I'm not saying it needs to become the new thing that we do, but There's something about what we're going to do Friday night that's going to be incredible. How we'll do it, we'll do it together. We'll do it with coffee if we need to. (laughs) We'll do it it with lots of coffee if we need to. But I do believe as we do that, something's going to shift. Second Chronicles as we come into land. You know what? You can just decide to camp out here Friday night. Uh, Bring the kids, bring the light and we'll just, we'll make it happen. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I've chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honoured forever. I will always watch over it for it is dear to my heart. I love the fact that God looks at the house, looks at the temple. I mean, this is an Old Testament scripture. Trust me, when he looks at the New Testament church, he looks at every church location. He says, that's a place that's dear to my heart. That's why I'm never going to talk down about any church, regardless of what denomination or brand of Christianity they are, because it's close to the heart of God. Can I call you to respond, call you to challenge? I'm not going to be taking names on a list. Forget that stuff. We just want to get together, pull together and do something in the realm of the Spirit that I believe can break some things. There are some people that are struggling with a spiritual influence in the area of mental illness and we can break that thing. 
starting the night with praise and worship and then we're going in. My wife had a word from God about hunger for God, humility and honour. The three things that God wants to do through this night that develop a hunger in us for the things of God. To put a humility in our hearts that will stop us being haughty in times that could take us out. Remember the Bible does say pride precedes a fall. And then honour. Pastor Chris talked about honour around the giving moment. But I think honour throughout relationships. It's crazy what's going on around about us right now. But let's forget about those things and do what God is calling us to do. Can I pray with you? Can I pray with you? Father, today we want to thank you for the breath in our lungs, clothes that you've given us, the homes we live in, the jobs that we have, the provision we have. God, thank you for this house. Thank you for the work of God here at Rockingham. Thank you that you've watched over us and protected us so far along the journey. God, I'm praying that as we join together over this week for this time of intense prayer and seeking you, that God, you would pour out a spirit of prayer and grace like you did in the days of Zechariah. And that God, you would do in us the thing that you need to do so that we can be used by you in a powerful way. In Jesus' name. Amen. This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on 9524 5055.